Well, hello and welcome to another episode of the Mild Mannered Army podcast with me, Mild Mannered Max, although that, of course, is not my real name. But then, what is real? And in this episode, I am joined by The Vessel from David Devant and his Spirit Wife, a band who, way back when, released uh, several truly incredible albums, including the epic work Love Life and Miscellaneous, three things that have dominated my own life ever since I first heard it. And now uh, The Vessel and Co. return with a new album called Cut Out and Keep Me, which is, as one would imagine, a heartbreaking work of staggering genius. So I'm very uh, happy to welcome The Vessel. Hello. Hello. Thanks for having me here. Oh, well, no, no, no. The the, the pleasure and uh, the privilege uh, is all mine. Um, I wonder if I can start by asking you a, a, a very uh, un, unlettered question. Um, I, I'm one that may well have the reek of pretentiousness, um, but, but I hope that it might take us somewhere interesting. So yeah. there's a, a wonderful song on the new album uh, called okay. Here, Here I Am. Okay. Yeah. And there is a, a, a line that is repeated in that, which says, can someone tell me what is memory? Yeah. And that line struck me quite profoundly. It, it made me start thinking about, and here we get to the pretentious part, which yeah. is that Carl Jung, who of course separated from Freudian analytic psychology, argued that our unconscious is a sort of storehouse of repressed memories and that those yeah. repressed memories are specific to us and in some ways as well are specific to our own ancestral past. And it struck me that some of the things that you talk about remembering in Here I Am, yeah. your mother's lipstick, yeah. your father and his dipstick on the Hillman Imp, uh, washing yeah. up and drying with a mangle. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I wonder then if you have your own view on what memory is. And I wonder how important the idea of, if not nostalgia, but certainly the past is in informing much of what you do. Wow, lots of things there, all going off. Uh, firstly, with Carl Jung, um, I was with some friends uh, the night before last, Charlie Fox and Andrew Cooper, who we did a bedroom opera together once. And um, we performed it in Marseille and it ended, uh, the, it was a domestic story that ended with a bloodbath caused by some secateurs and an under, <laughs> misunderstanding about uh, being, someone being unfaithful in a domestic setting. Uh, but uh, we got talking about Carl Jung and Charlie, my friend, got out the red book, which has recently mm. been published because it was repressed. And... Um, by followers of Jung, you know, because they thought, whoa, this is not, this isn't what he's all about. And um, and I was saying, oh, the next day I've got my first, uh, I was, I'm being a trainee doctorate supervisor for an artist and he's very interested in Jung. So I said, oh, that's a coincidence, isn't it? And Jung's ah. about coincidence. And synchronicity, of, synchronicity, yeah, of course. Yeah. I've come back to it recently, you know, because... I'm constantly surrounded by pulling pulls that make me think, no, that sort of aesthetic, creative way of being is not how to be an adult. 
But when I return to embracing it, all the coincidences and synchronicities start to pop up. So that's that's one that's happened again with the uh, Jung and memory. Um, it's, it's very important to me. I mean, I, re I recently uh, was reading, I think it was a novel, and the person in it was talking about, you know, if, when you really remember something, it's not linear and it's not in order and it's not this categorised Rolodex of the event. Because if you remember it like that, it's not the actual memory. You're creating this structured version of it an actual memory and i used to worry about this and think oh am i like a sort of early dementia case because my whole life i've just sort of felt in a much more kind of aesthetic abstract way so hence snatches of things like mother's lipstick uh, it's not a linear process and i'm sure you're aware of the proustian rush of when proust bit into the madeleine with the lime tea and the whole book poured out from that sensory engagement so um yeah memory is not just something stored in the head which is like this hard drive um, or cloud as we now like to think of it memory is an entanglement between body brain and the what's outside of us and that outside of us is just as much part of how memory is created. such a, a fascinating character and I think it's what makes him such an unfashionable character as well isn't it because he he acknowledges the fact that there are forces that exist outside of us which interestingly brings me to something else that I thought may yep. run through the new album which is yeah. uh, in fact the, the opening track of course is called Sublime and yeah. Jung was not averse to the notion of there being a sublime in yeah. other words a sort of spiritual for want of a better dimension but there are three or four maybe even five songs on the new album which yeah. seem to hint at something outside of the physical world so there's sublime rough magic yeah. miracles happen demons yeah. and all of them touch on in some way I mean, religion is, is not accurate, but certainly faith, belief, uh, and the supernatural. Are, yeah. are these things that are important to the vessel? So you mean without any 
Uh, well, it's interesting. I have had this conversation with uh, people very close to me who do sort of talk in terms of, the, you know, the uh, the non-physical, the spiritual realm. And the way I've come to see it recently is that these things are not in a separate realm. It's just other modes of experiencing this realm. So it's not supernatural. It's just that because we live in such an extremely cognitive, conceptual world, anything that is a felt understanding is seen as supernatural or is somehow packaged within something that makes sense of it to the, the cognitive mind. So I've increasingly become a fan of William Blake, who mm. who found that the sublime or transcendence is is within the ordinary experience. It's not that this ordinary experience is a flawed version of some sort of heavenly ideal. What we get that uh, transcendence from the flawed life that we live, if we embrace it in a state of emergence and imminence, uh, rather than the sort of codified, categorized, datified realm that seems to uh, surround us. Little lamb, who made thee? Dost thou know who made thee? Gave thee life and bid thee feed by the stream and o'er the mead. Gave thee clothing of delight, softest clothing, woolly, bright. Gave thee such a tender voice, making all the veils rejoice. Little lamb, who made thee? Dost thou know who made thee? Little lamb, I'll tell thee. Little lamb, I'll tell thee. He is called by thy name, for he calls himself a lamb. He is meek and he is mild. He became a little child. I a child and thou a lamb. We are called by his name. Little lamb, God bless thee. Little lamb, God bless thee. A chap called Alfred North Whitehead who's quite trendy with uh, certain people because he wrote a book called uh, Principa Mathematica, which was all about trying to define the world and the cosmos indeed as logic. He wrote that with Bertrand Russell, realised it was a massive mistake and then spent his whole life in America writing books, trying to reinsert the sense of feeling or care back into our uh, cosmological model, how we see ourselves is because you know he realized we'd abstracted ourselves from the cosmos and uh, yeah so he's quite an inspiring chap that, i mean that is interesting so I, I that leads me to ask a well maybe not a question maybe more just of a, a statement to be honest and and that is of course running through the history of david devant and his spirit yeah. wife notion of donning our spirit specs uh, um yeah. you know and i wonder how much of that is about allowing us to see the the truth as we're discussing it here or the reality of our our, our existence yeah well uh one of the th- i mean you may you may or may not know uh Lushness. i've recently got a doctorate in fine art that and you know i'm not saying that because i think it's a valuable status or <laughs> it, it gave me a lot of time to sort of reflect and look at what i'm doing uh, because a lot of what we've done with the band uh, is what I would call uh, a felt experience. It's aesthetic, so uh, we're not being intellectual about it. It doesn't mean to say we're rejecting concepts. It's just that they emerge from 
the playful, creative, aesthetic realm that we create. So I constantly go back to the spirit specs. I've done other things with uh, uh, the specs, you know, unfiltered, the museum of unfiltered reality, which also involved cardboard spectacles. And um, really, it, you know, our culture is is very, very visual because we read things, we read codes and and even sound is now thought of as sound waves that are visual. So um, it's not necessarily about embracing anything visual. Yeah, as you say, it's just like the, the ordinary that the sense of imminence in something before it is coded. being more pretentious than you I don't. I'm, I'm not entirely sure if that's possible to be honest with you but what, what, what that leads me to muse on is the fact that there is a, another track on the new album called This Train and I'm going to get the lyrics slightly garbled here but it, yeah. there is it's a sort of spoken word piece in many ways and there's a, a, a bit where you say Something about the communication that we have um, desired and experienced or simulated that is not illustrated by images must be repeated. And then I'm sure that there's something else. And then it finishes off that particular line with we all live in ways that are out of our control. That is a kind of recurring theme then through the life of David Devant and his spirit wife, certainly in in the form that they've taken as the band, that the the world is out of our control. It's probably out of cognition's control. Cognition likes to post-rationalise and say it did things for this and that, but we are felt organisms. We experience and make decisions in, you know, on a quantum level you know and if we can sort of realize that we are total organisms then i think we might be a bit more careful full of care because we realize we're much more complex than we like to give ourselves credit for so that sense of control it, it you know it's, it's the cognitive mind again likes to think it's in control but uh, and it does that by post rationalizing after the event very very quickly of course we live aesthetically, but I think increasingly we're sort of unaware of uh, aesthetic feeling. And people like Boris Johnson actually operate on that level without mm. acknowledging it. 
and uh, so you know they are an aesthetic lure I mean I know he's pretty abhorrent to most sensible people but uh, that's the frequency he's working on you know maybe it's a bit like uh, the the guy rolling up with his uh, snake oil but it, that's, <laughs> that's lure, is, it, is it not yeah yeah, I think so. There's, you said a few seconds ago um, something about the the playful nature of David Devant and his spirit wife, and that's something else that that comes across on on the new album, um, where there are moments that are I think absurd in in the very purest sense of that, or almost absurdist art. So there's a song called Miracles Happen, and you you sing in that song about catching the ferry to Staten. Yeah. And but the ferry is leaving from Chatham. So you yeah. know the, the the limitations of that physical world that we have kind of started talking about here I guess are completely cast aside. And there's also a notion of the real world being cast aside in that song because you sing about enchantment and a prayer for the living and worship. Yeah. And I I think that's something that's run through the history of David yeah. Devant as well, right? You know, piss off, let's play charades. You know, the <laughs> anti Mabel. Yeah. You know, these very kind of playful things, and yet for for me, running through it all, there is a an art over artifice, uh, yeah, and, I, and, a, and an intellectualism and a philosophical approach that kind of you know is is hidden at times because of that playfulness is that deliberate play, playful is just because the cognitive grown-up world doesn't acknowledge our aesthetic ontology you know as humans we at, we find out through play and experimentation and that's how we expand our idea of things um so yeah if we want i call it playful because it's quite an easy instant word to express that sense of creative aesthetic engagement and and the fiction machine you know life is generally an, an agreed fiction and uh, David Devon is one big fiction machine which is another way of like saying hey look there are other ways of connecting all done by kindness a sense of connection through the magic in the ordinary I find magic in domestic objects etc um, but the song Miracles Happen is actually one of the most sort of actually real songs and I've kind of just taken this the sense of that real because it was so heightened in in America as a 21 year old I think 22 perhaps and that it felt uh, like miracles happen yeah I mean all of that song is true really and uh, and one one of the girls is on the back cover of the album in Coney Island <laughs> wearing uh, a, a character called Everyman, that uh, cardboard head <laughs> album. Yeah. So that was a playful trip to Coney Island. Like staying with three models down in Mott Street. Yeah. 
I, I wonder, would would you mind terribly if we went back to that or back to those very earliest days of David Devine, just just for a second? No, because I mean I now like sort of completely embrace and understand that whole process and how rich it's been and uh, how unique really the 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 four six of us like some alchemical wedding getting together it, it was completely uh absurdly uh creative really you know i've never experienced anything else like it although i have learned how you can sort of see that relationship in other creative collaborations well, there's there's a, a moment that, that I wrote about in the, the sort of rather lengthy article slash love letter that I wrote on, on the site about um, work mm-hmm. love life miscellaneous. There's a, a mm-hmm. clip that's available from 1997 where Jonathan Coleman comes to speak to and to observe David Devant and his spirit wife, Jonathan Coleman, dear God. And, and he he asks you some question and your response to that question uh I think is one of my favourite moments in, in pop culture history. You say to Jonathan Coleman, uh, when he asks about David Devant, you say he is a dead conjurer. She is representative of your spirit wife, my spirit wife. She is the inner muse who sends us a tingle down our spine. We want to become icons and musically, we're just about the history of pop music. So where do they come off with their silly wigs and even sillier name? David Devon and his spirit wife. He's a dead conjurer. She is representative of your spirit wife, my spirit wife. We've all got a spirit wife. She's the inner muse that sends us the tingle down your spine. Well, that's all cleared up then. Now, I, I wonder, here is my question. I yeah. wonder, as those words were tumbling from your lips were yeah. you aware of the consternation and confusion that you would be causing jonathan coleman uh yeah <laughs> i mean it's like it's, it's i've when i was i like words and i like i like the fiction machine of you know i mean the thing is once you're in that realm being interviewed doing pop it's can be a trap can it not so so that's possibly my way of like not getting into that trap of saying certain expected things. Yeah, we're going to build our career and etc. Yeah, um, <laughs> or I'm like really arrogant and I, I, you know, I'm a member of Oasis or yeah. <laughs> I think what it is actually um, is. I don't know how it happened. I mean, you mentioned, you know, like early Devon. It, I felt like I entered this realm that what it, I now see as a fiction machine, which is a way of addressing a sort of parallel version of the present. And um, so it, that wasn't just in the gigs. It's like, oh, I'm doing an interview with this man. He's on telly. That, so this becomes part of a fiction machine. It's not fantasy or delusion. It's uh, it's kind of it's almost I don't think we'd say it was, but it's almost a political act to sort of question the present through creative explosion. Um, so, yes. Well, it's, it's funny that 
lots of bands appear and are very sort of earnest and and Louise Winner from Sleeper talks in her memoir about you know these boys in leather jackets and you know a particular type of haircut and what have you in the 90s who all tried to present themselves as having some sort of indie manifesto but would have slit the throats of their own grandmothers to to have a number one record and I wonder did David Devant and his spirit wife ever have that burning desire to be the biggest band in the world or was it always more important to be doing something that was genuinely creative and artistic I think it's like peak experience was always important um, we did a gig once at a country fair in a marquee and uh, there's a line that came from that because we used to play at a pub and the pub landlord turned to someone who was talking and said shut up these boys can play and that became our phrase and it and you might see it held up on cards at the gigs these boys can play uh, but I felt like I'd, I'd landed in uh, a hyper wonder world playing that gig. And that, and that was to that was in a village in a marquee. And, and to me, I just thought at the time, oh, life can't get much better than this. So <laughs> consequently, all, all the other stuff like being, you know, in the in the industry on TV and radio, uh, it, it's very seductive and you know, you, it, it'd be impossible not to be swayed by it. But um, I think we try to continue the fictioning machine, even within that realm. But um, that, that realm doesn't really understand it at all because it's so rational and so conceptual and so based on labelling everything that, um, that even though our first label did join in, they were called Humbug. Uh, and they were completely like us, you know. It was all one big sandpit. We could just play and make it up. So um, yes, I, am I beginning to go off the edge of my flat Earth here? <laughs> well, I, I remember seeing uh, David Devon around about that time, ninety-five, ninety-six, and quite a small venue here in in Edinburgh, and. Looking back now, it strikes me that it might have been the first time that I was exposed to or introduced to something that could truly be labelled as either pop art. So I'm not entirely sure I was aware of people like Andy Warhol or Liechtenstein at that point. And it certainly would have... I mean, I I think you might reject this, given what you've just said about labels and things, but it it seemed to me that there was something almost performance art about it or conceptual art. And what David Devant did for me was it forced me to think about the things that I looked at, listened to, and the way that I thought about those things. And for me, the, the band has always been bigger than the label of pop. Absolutely. I mean, it's six people, six uh, creative organisms. You know, Iceman, <laughs> I'm looking at a picture of him now, actually, he's holding up. A placard on a picture on my wall and uh yeah Iceman, the professor Foz, you know the cocky young and the colonel at the lantern you know all of us are what you would call artists so um 
there's a whole spectrum within there of you know i i would now if i was if you had a gun to my head say yeah i'm a post conceptualist you know because my ideas come out of play play in a sense of material vitality iceman is quite grounding and uh he's all about the content which you might say is conceptual so all of that feeds and fed into those shows and and we didn't really know what we were doing but we all had a passion for being able to manipulate and play with the materials and the ideas quite early on we we made that film uh uh, was it called Light on the Surface? Mm. Yeah. And, and that has us all outside a service station. And it says destroy consensus reality, doesn't it? On, which which was much more overt than we had been prior to that point. But that was when we met the video makers, Nick and Mikey, who were at the time were called Bubblegum Fuck. And so we went down that route, uh, having prior to that sort of hinted at it through Victorian stage magic. And we might have said, don't read this sign on a sign, but <laughs> graduated to destroy consensus reality, which I don't think even I kind of totally understood at the time. But it's not quite as explosive and destructive as it sounds, you know, because consensus reality is, uh, you know, it's a fiction machine which allows um unbelievably abhorrent people to remain in, in power because we agree and on on that fiction you know i'm not going to go off on a rant but you know i think being passionate about aesthetic engagement is uh how to connect um, well the, the, yeah i mean I'm, I'm feeling a slight tinge of uh melancholy now because unfortunately uh, destroy consensus reality isn't as catchy as you got a role with it and i feel like you know the thing things might have uh, taken a different turn had had destroy consensus reality become the the dominant catchphrase of the era of oh, <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Look, I, I wonder if it, I, I don't want to take up too much more of your time but i wonder if i can just maybe finish things up by asking a, a very obvious question which is why now Oh, well, uh, why not now? You know, it's better to make than not make. And um, I think, you know, on a personal level, I'd done Mr. Solo and Mikey Georgeson as the civilised scene. And uh, I feel a warmth and a passion about being in a room making music with David Devont and his spirit wife. And um, it took us a bit longer than it would with uh, an everyday band because... You know, we, we all have uh, everyday lives. Uh, so, you know, I'm trying to post-rationalise my answer to the question, but it really <laughs> essentially is like an intensity of feeling and it would be completely insane to ignore that. You know, I've, I, there's such a strong connection to the other musicians that to not make something with them creatively and to put our selves back into that realm would would have been uh bonkers i said <laughs> and, and yeah. w- will there be more live shows maybe across I, the country i like to think so yeah yeah uh, up and down um yeah we're talking to our people uh, <laughs> essentially if anyone asks us to do a gig we do it uh um that's the rule so ask us 
get people to ask David to bomb and we will come and do a concert. That's the rule. Them's the rules. Yeah. That's a very good rule. Well, Vessel, I am so grateful to you for your, your time. I'm, I'm sure you're very, very busy. In fact, I'm sure you're far too busy to, to have spoken to me. So I, I, I really am grateful. And the new album is... It's out now. It's available to purchase. You can go to cutoutandkeepme.com yeah. and order a, a copy. And a digital copy is available also. Yeah, a- absolutely. And uh, all done by kindness, as they say. All done by kindness. Thank you so much. OK, thanks very much for having me. Say your prayers at the side of the bed I'll leave the landing lights on God bless my name